This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. What's up everybody and welcome to another episode of Wrestling with Jonners. This is episode 111 and this week as we do uh, every single Saturday is we discuss the weekly uh, NXT and uh, AEW Dynamite uh, highlights uh, from this past Wednesday. Uh, we do have a special guest on the line or via Skype and we'll be introducing that special guest very very soon. We're also going to be touching on some of your listeners questions and uh, uh, the hot topic at the moment whether it's wrestling related or uh, sporting related or just the health in general is all about the coronavirus. So we're going to be answering some questions in relation to that and how it might affect WrestleMania fairly soon. Uh, now, usually at this time, I go through a, a big, long plug about WrestlingWithJohnners.com and go and visit the website. You know, an archive of all of our podcasts and interviews and articles and news, etc., etc. Well, my next guest actually writes for the WrestlingWithJohnners.com website. And the website's only been going a couple of months, maybe into its third month now. Um, but uh, I'm going to introduce now Lexi Howes. Now, you may know if you visited the website and checked out any of uh, her articles, especially when we shared them on social media, Lexi Helms has got a grappuccino thoughts on WrestlingWithJohnners.com. So, Lexi, good afternoon. How are you? And uh, thanks for coming on the Wrestling With Jonas podcast. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. And thank you for having me on the website as well. Oh, um, you're more than welcome. Honestly, it's it's really nice to be able to just write about something that you or that I love and have other people read it. It's really, really nice. Um, so, yeah, I can't thank you enough. So, yeah. No, you've had some really good feedback with some of your articles. I think you've you've talked about uh, three articles on there so far. And uh, tell us a little bit about your, your writing background then, because I'm guessing the WrestlingWithJohnners.com isn't your first writing experience. Um, now, we'll talk about your kind of wrestling fandom in a moment, but tell us a bit about writing and kind of how it all started, what inspires you when it comes to your writing. And uh, yeah, we'll go ahead. Okay. Um, so as it says in my author's bio, uh, on your website, I my previous and only experience of writing is or was for V2 Wrestling. Um, and I noticed on social media that somebody asked the question of, did you appear on the um, V2 Wrestling podcast years ago? And I did. Um, so it kind of went from there and it kind of pitted out and I really did miss it. And wrestling is something that changes week to week you know it's something that never stays the same so of course opinions are going to change and they're going to form and what better way than to just put it out there for internet strangers um to to read and to spark discussion spark debate um i've got to say i've had no negativity from anyone so thank you very much for that i really appreciate it um (laughs) you know so yeah it's it's nice and i guess for me i was the um i was the weird kid 
that loved professional wrestling. Um, so I didn't really have anybody else to talk to it about. There was my brothers and that was that. So yeah. now being able to share it with, you know, however many people go to the site and read it and whatever is amazing. Um, so, yeah. No, like I say, we're very, very kind of uh, blessed and happy to kind of have you writing for the WrestlingWithJohnners.com uh, website. And you you also kind of um, contribute to the uh, Wrestling With Johnners fan page as well. And uh, I know that uh, a lot of your friends are into wrestling as well. So you're obviously kind of embedded into, into wrestling pretty deep then, Lexi. But tell us a bit about your kind of wrestling fandom. I mean, you mentioned that, uh, you know, you described yourself as the, the odd kid at school that would like professional wrestling. And I think a lot of wrestling fans would describe ourselves as that to be honest with you yeah. um but uh, you know he's had, he's had his moments over the years pro wrestling where it's been cool and uh, you know there's been a quite a large following amongst uh, groups of friends but tell us when it all started for you then when did you kind of first come across pro wrestling and what kind of really turned you on to uh, to pro wrestling as a sport then um i was really really young um and i was on holiday with my two brothers and my mum and my dad um and I was literally, I couldn't have been more than two and a half. And my brother was watching something on TV. And all of a sudden, The Ultimate Warrior came on. And that was it. I was hooked. I wanted to be The Ultimate <laughs> Warrior. Um, there are photographs somewhere in the world, which I will probably share with you one day, of me dressed as The Ultimate Warrior. We to see that we, um, you have to take them out <laughs> yeah um you know and it, it never really left and when when we came home because we were in america at the time on holiday um when we came home we found out that you could watch wrestling over here too so then it started where my brothers because they're both older than me realized that if you snuck downstairs at a certain time and put the tv on a certain channel there would be wrestling so we used to do that and it's kind of never left. Um, you know, I would say that I'm more dedicated than some of my friends um, in the sense of I used to, you know, when Channel 4 had pay-per-views on, um, I used to get up, I used to go to sleep at 8, wake up at 12, get something to eat and snacks and stuff and then just sit up and watch the pay-per-views till like two three four in the morning same go, yeah go to same. sleep and then go to school um and then have to lie to my friends about why i was upset the the big one for that is mick foley. um mick foley and triple h hell in a cell mick foley's oh, retirement oh yeah and i was devastated like literally i could not look anyone in the eye and i just cried and cried and cried and cried and everyone was like what's the matter what's the matter and i was like oh it's fine don't worry it's fine i'll man up in a minute it's fine it's fine um so yeah and it's kind of followed me um so much so that when i got with my partner he had watched wrestling during the attitude era kind of came out of it and now every week he's like when are we watching it when are we watching it um so yeah doesn't really leave yeah 
Yeah, and uh, that's a fantastic story. I, I especially love the, uh, the you know, you uh, made up as the ultimate warrior. You've got to dig them photos out, uh, but that's got to be a thing yeah. you've got to do. But uh, that'll be fantastic. Um, but uh, I'm guessing that you're predominantly uh, a WWE fan. I know uh, from kind of reading your articles that you're an NXT and uh, NXT UK fan. Uh, what, what sort of kind of wrestling do you do you watch nowadays, then, Lexi? I mean, is there do you have like a ritual? Do you have certain shows that you have to watch on a weekly basis and kind of what's your your weekly kind of wrestling go-to shows at the moment um for me it is nxt and nxt uk yeah. um nxt uk has made me aware of the uk wrestling scene and i feel somewhat guilty about that because you know the amount of talent that has been on my doorstep and i've sort of not been aware of it um you know, I was there at the UK Championship Tournament in Blackpool in 2017. I was at TakeOver Blackpool 1. Um, so it has like a really special place in my heart. Um, and I would say that AEW as well is on the to-watch list. Yeah. Um, purely because it's so different to other alternatives that are out there. Um, but it's also more easier to to access if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, I would definitely say NXT, AEW, NXT UK. Yeah, same. Yeah, exactly. And and also because they're uh, more digestible as well. You've got maybe a, an hour show with NXT UK and two hours for NXT and AEW, and uh, it's not like you have to kind of. Uh, really yeah, force yourself to watch a three-hour Monday Night Raw but uh, I think a lot of people especially from the UK uh, or wrestling fans that I'm aware of have the same kind of wrestling uh, habits as yourself so that's all good and even better because we're here to discuss NXT and AEW this week so that's even yes. better for me and uh, for my listeners but uh, let's talk a little bit more about your your uh, your, your articles then Lexi because um, you, you entitle them Grappuccino Thoughts and then you kind of have a kind of a main topic that you focus on what's your, your your kind of inspiration for some of your wrestling articles because uh you, you you've got a a book uh that you jot down ideas for for articles i know that yeah uh, so <laughs> kind of uh you, you you're always coming up with ideas and um you go with the one that you're most passionate with or what's your what's your process as far as coming up with an article because they're all very very detailed and very passionate um and uh, you know if any of my listeners haven't checked out the webpage and haven't checked out any of uh, lexi's articles yet then go ahead and do that and the link to the website will be in the description to this podcast so i urge you to click on it after listening to this and go and check out Lexi's work but uh, tell us a bit about some of your articles especially the ones you've done for wrestling with Johnners, and uh, what were your inspiration for some of these articles and where you come up with the ideas um oh, they can happen at sort of any time if that makes sense hence the book i probably sound like a real nerd now going like Oh, you know, I've got a book, carry it around with me just in case. Um, and for me, it usually happens when I'm actually watching the product and it's a question that comes into my head or yeah. it's something that I see and I'm like, hang on a minute, what's what's that about? Or it's something that has irritated me, you know. So if we look at the last one that I put up, which was about um super showdown yeah like 
I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. And there was some really good bits. And I tried to give the positives as well as the negatives of, of what I talk about. But for me, I was just like, I cannot believe, I cannot believe that this is how you've decided to treat your most interesting character. Um, and I, you know, I am aware that that people got all up in arms over it and, and rightly so. But for me, it was my chance to go, actually, you're frustrating me now. I'm a, you know, I'm a fan. I, I love the pro, you know, I love the industry. But actually, if this is how you're going to treat me, I'm going to go elsewhere, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're just like little things. And, and sometimes me and, and my fella will have uh, conversations and we play fantasy booker. And it'll be something that is said. And I'll go, I need to make a note of that because I'm going to write about that at some point as well. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it just happens out of nowhere. Usually when I'm drinking coffee, hence the name. <laughs> I love the title. I really do. And uh, and uh, uh, Matt, who helped to put the website together, he loves it as well. And he said, he's, he's, where, where, does, where does the term grappuccino come from? And I said, well, I'm guessing it's a combination of uh, grappling because wrestling and, and uh, maybe Lexi's a big coffee drinker. I don't know. But am I right in thinking that? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you know you can read whilst drinking a coffee yeah or beverage of your choice you know um so yeah no, we'll uh, keep up the fantastic work and i've said to you uh via messenger what a great job you do but i'm sure if any of my listeners uh have checked you out or want to check you out they can do via the website wrestlingwithjohners.com and enjoy uh, lexi's fantastic articles they really really are fantastic um so Lexi, it, it, it is like changed to the way we usually do things here on the podcast. Normally, we, we have the listeners' questions at the very end. Um, and uh, we're, we're going to kind of flip that slightly and have the listeners' questions at the beginning of this episode, uh, purely because obviously the hot topic is, 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 is the coronavirus at the moment. And uh, you turn on any news channel any any tv show at all and that's all they're talking about and that's all that my colleagues are talking about at work that's all they're talking about at my kids schools that's all they're talking about my my wife's work uh, so we're going to talk about it here because we know i mean I, I suppose any other time of the year we probably wouldn't be that kind of concerned about it as wrestling fans yeah. um but we're already as we're kind of recording this we're only three weeks away from wrestlemania wrestlemania weekends um we're, we're recording this on on friday the 13th of march so in, in three weeks time uh, you're gonna have uh, i suppose uh, three weeks uh well just less than three weeks ago in, in, in the future, you're going to have the Hall of Fame followed by SmackDown, and then the Saturday is going to be TakeOver followed by the Sunday WrestleMania, of course. So, yeah. a lot going on, including all the indie stuff that's meant to be taking place over in Tampa. But, of course, the coronavirus is, is kind of shutting down uh, towns, it's shutting down cities, it's shutting down schools and businesses. It's virtually put uh, Italy on on lockdown as well, um, as well as other kind of countries around around the world uh, handling the situation in a similar way. Under the sporting events over here in the UK, I think uh, if I'm right in th- saying that the Premier League and uh, the Football League and uh, the Six Nations rugby has all been put on hold for the meantime. Um, so, I mean, what was your kind of thoughts in general about the coronavirus? And you know, has it changed any of your habits? Uh, you're washing your hands more often. I don't know, but uh, are, are you concerned about the coronavirus? Uh, you know, 
in your everyday life? Um, I guess it would be difficult not to be concerned um, because obviously there's so much misinformation going on and, you know, you you go and you see people, it's on my social media streams, like, you know, there's people taking photographs of like the toilet roll aisle in Asda and stuff like that. And it's like, why? You add into the panic more than anything else. Um, I have um, OCD anyway. So hand washing, I have hand sanitizers, ironically, um, that I use just to keep safe. And for now, touch wood, I have a good stock, but it is starting to get to a point where I'm like, okay, what happens if... Yeah. what happens if um but yeah I, I don't think you can get away from it i mean my partner came home the other day with a with a pc ready to work from home if he yeah. needs to you know and it's like okay now this is getting serious yeah so yeah yeah it's interesting isn't it it's interesting a little bit concerning there's a lot of misinformation out there and the the news story and uh, seems to change on a daily basis to be honest with you and the advice we're being given changes on a daily basis as well but as i mentioned we're three weeks away from wrestlemania and you're gonna have tens of thousands of people that are going to be congregating um on, on tampa florida um and uh, thousands of people going to be flying from all over the world including the uk and Ireland. Ireland and around Europe and all kind of worried and wondering whether they're going to be able to get there, whether WrestleMania is going to go ahead, whether they're going to lose money on flights, hotel tickets, whether it's going to be cancelled altogether or rescheduled. Um, Now, yesterday, there was a meeting held in Tampa with uh, Tampa officials. Uh, it said that Vince McMahon was in attendance in this meeting. And one of the topics being discussed uh, was whether to postpone or cancel WrestleMania 36. Uh, during the meeting, the, the Tampa mayor uh, stated that uh, we have a few weeks until WrestleMania 36 and that a decision with regards to either cancelling or postponing the event has not been made yet and will be made in about a week's time. Um, so according to uh, Tony Maglio from The Wrap, he states that as of right now, the plan is not to cancel WrestleMania. Um, and uh, at the time of recording this podcast, um, it is still on, which is good news. Although there is going to be uh, another meeting, WWE officials and Tampa officials will be reconvening uh, in about a week's time to talk about the possibility of cancelling or postponing um, or, or going ahead with WrestleMania, which is what we all hope, because uh, although I'm not travelling to Tampa, you know, as a wrestling fan, I want it to go ahead. I want to enjoy uh, WrestleMania and I want to, all the people that have bought tickets to WrestleMania and all the fringe events around Mania to enjoy it and not lose out on any money. So, as I said, we're going to kick off with, with some listeners' questions. And the first one is from um, uh, one of our good friends on Twitter, Broken But Glorious Wrestling Podcast. And they ask, uh, uh, if Tampa does cancel Mania, would moving it to the Performance Centre work? Uh, could postponing it uh, even work with uh, the current card as I don't see how the storylines can be dragged out much longer and uh, would you do Mania at a later date with a different card so I mean regarding the performance centre bit 
we saw NXT at the Performance Centre this week. I think it probably only had a few hundred people in there, if that's so to fit. Uh, you know, uh, 80,000 people in uh, would be uh, an impossibility. But although it's in that location, so I'm sure whatever happens in Tampa uh, will, will kind of you know, be exactly the same for sporting events in Orlando. But um, uh, postponing it uh, could work. But then you've got to think, you know, the current card, which is pretty much all but set now, um, you know, would they be able to drag these storylines and drag these matches out for another two or three months because according to news reports the virus is going to peak in about two to three months so you're talking middle of the summer um it's an interesting one isn't it but but lexi looking at broken but glorious's uh, question here um kind of have you got any kind of answers for them in terms of should we uh, drag out the current storylines um, you know is, would it be a good idea to maybe postpone and, and do mainly at a later date with a different card maybe oh I it's think an interesting one isn't it it is um, and I've been thinking about this since you sent them um, to me I think <sighs> looking at what's happened over here in the UK today on the 13th Mm. So you've got the Premier League and football in general that are suspended until, <coughs> excuse me, either the 3rd or 4th of April. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got teams like um, Everton. I know that one um, <laughs> just because just because I support them. But you've got teams like Everton that are self-isolating because they are concerned that, you know, I think we've got to be realistic and I, as much as it kills me to say it, I think common sense needs to prevail. And I think that they need to go, OK, we need to cancel it. We, as in, we need to cancel the big stadium and figure out what we're going to do after that. Yeah. For me, if you cancel it now, you still have time to put something in place. It would be weird and it would be awful for the talents involved in the WrestleMania weekend cards to possibly go out and do it without a crowd. But you have to put the safety of everybody there first. So we, you mentioned before NXT was from the performance center this week, as I understand it and correct me if I'm wrong, SmackDown is going to come from the performance center. Ah, I, I, what, uh, is that tonight? Yeah, apparently. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's some conflicting reports. The last thing I read was that it was definitely coming from the performance center. So I think if you're if WWE are doing that with television shows, yeah, irrespective of you know the revenue that could be lost or whatever, they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to cancel it. Um, I mean, I did read uh, this morning that uh, Vince McMahon and co were offered 75 million to take WrestleMania over to Saudi Arabia. Mm, yeah, I read the same report. Uh, yeah. 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 And and, I, uh... was like, <laughs> I would be very upset if that happened. I'm just going to put it out there. Um, you know, yeah. being, being selfish, I would be very annoyed if, 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 WrestleMania was to go international for me, of course I want it to be in Britain first. Yeah. You know. Um, but that's a different issue for a different day. There might be an article on that at some point. Um 
but yeah i think i think common sense has just got to come into play now you know you've got the xfl finney max or the venture yeah. you've got the nfl the national hockey league the baseball uh, not baseball the basketball league all of them have been cancelled it's only a matter of time yeah you know I, I i think i think you're right and i think it is fairly inevitable that something there is something drastic is going to happen and either they, they postpone the event to later on in the year or they hold it somewhere else and it's quite interesting you know the first part of broken but glorious's question is could they possibly move it to the performance center and i wasn't aware until you just said that tonight's smackdown could be held for, from the from the pc as they did with uh, nxt this week um and having a mania there possibly without any spectators that could be very weird that could be very very weird uh but uh yeah um who knows and and then you got that $75 million on the table for potentially moving it to Saudi Arabia, like another greatest Royal Rumble or, or Super Showdown. Um, but, but, but then, you know, are they experiencing the coronavirus in, in Saudi Arabia? I don't know. I, I think it's affected quite a few countries around the world, but I don't know whether it's yeah. struck uh, Saudi Arabia yet but still if you've got some cases in Saudi Arabia or some of the uh, you know Arab countries like that then it would be no different than uh, than hosting it in America if they're going to host it in another country that's uh, suffering with the same virus. So okay. it's very interesting. And there's so many kind of questions, unanswered questions, and uh, they are meant to be reconvening, as I mentioned in the notes earlier on, you know, with the Tampa officials and WWE officials. Um, but as you said, you know, Vince McMahon's other venture, the XFL, they've um they've put a bit of a hiatus on their matches, as have the NFL and the NBA and yeah, uh, it's it's oh crikey, it's, it's a bit of a, a situation we've never been in before, especially regarding sporting events and where there's you know large gatherings of people. Um, and uh, like you say, it's even more concerning that they believe we haven't reached the, the peak of the epidemic yet. Uh, so uh, it's very very interesting. Um, I, I think from a selfish standpoint, I, I'd still love it to go ahead um, and hope that the coronavirus is, is kind of not as bad as everybody is fearing, because like yeah. I say, there is quite a bit of scaremongering. Uh, but then, you know, when, when you kind of engage brain and you think from a common sense standpoint and you think, well, if you've got 80,000 people in a, you know, is it an indoor arena or an outdoor arena? I'm not sure, but 80,000 people all in the same place and, you know, all around Tampa for that uh, five, six day period, you know, there, yeah. there's a huge risk to the uh, to the tens of thousands of people that are there. So very, very interesting, very interesting. And then with regards to if they were to hold it at a later date, a lot of the storylines would have been played out by then. So you could see these big yeah. WrestleMania matches taking place on a Raw or a Smackdown or possibly, dare I say, at the PC. Uh, yeah. So uh, then they'll have to build new storylines. So um, all very interesting and uh, kind of uh, as if, you know, wrestling couldn't get any more weirder and wonderful than it is right now. It's kind of um, and it's not necessarily about the in-ring product we're talking about. But then it, it continues with uh, Aussie Lucian, their, their blog and podcast, uh, Twitter page. They've asked uh, um if it's a year before they find a cure to the coronavirus, um, how will it affect the wrestling world? So, I mean, you've got, you've got, uh, I think, Stardom um, in Japan. They've uh, cancelled a lot of their shows, and I think that there was one show where they uh, b b played in front of uh, an arena with with nobody there, no fans, um, and 
I know that, uh, Crikey, there's a show for OTT this weekend. I can't remember the name of the show, but it's headlined by uh, David Starr and John Moxley. And that show's yeah. been cancelled as well. It's so like Grappamania 6 yeah, or something like that. You've yeah. got it. You've got it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, how will it affect wrestling long term if, if, if it does go on for, for months? Um, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, once again, we, we can't really answer it, but it will be weird and it, it could spell a lot more shows being cancelled or playing before an empty audience, an empty arena. Um, so that's possibly how it might affect it is more empty arena shows. And I mean, let's be honest, there's, there's some some episodes of Smackdown where they've only got fans on one side of the arena. So to uh, get rid of get rid of the fans that are actually there probably yeah. would make a lot of difference. But uh, they just have to do a lot of tight shots on the wrestlers and the action in the ring. But uh, yeah. any thoughts on this on this question from Aussie Lucian then, Lexi? Um, I know that there's a lot of concern about independent wrestlers so the independent those working the independents like david Starr, for example who yeah you know travel around they've now lost their income um and i know that there's certain pages and certain wrestling based promotions that are you know on social media saying look you know tweet or if you're an independent wrestler tweet us or give us the link to your um merchandise pages so you can still have some sort of an income and you can still support wrestling um through other ways i think with wwe wwe wouldn't be affected as much as the other smaller companies um purely because they've got tv revenue and stuff like that and they've yeah. proven before that they can they can put on shows that aren't necessarily in front of crowds so i've got two um two examples that spring to mind the rock versus mick foley yeah. um and it was a match i think that aired during the super bowl back in sort of 98 ish correct um yeah. and when they got caught up in the snowstorm probably 2015 2016 ish um and they had to do it from stanford connecticut um so they've proven that they can do it from from that perspective um and obviously now they've got the performance center you know um it might be that we don't have live wrestling for a while you know that's one way around it um so obviously you know the product is pre-recorded and it's just put out as is and it's done like a highlight package or whatever yeah um but it is frightening and we don't have the answers um you know i worry for the likes of um there's there's a wrestling promotion by me you know i worry for them because you know they don't have regular shows they don't you know, I think their shows are every sort of two or three months or whatever. They at most have 500 people there. Um, and what's going to happen to them? Because obviously, you know, they're in the same situation as WWE, which is weird. Um, you know, they've got storylines that need to be developed and yeah. moved on and stuff. So, yeah, 
scary times it is and, and uh, hopefully myself and Lexi kind of answered uh, the, you know the, the questions there from Broken But Glorious and uh, Aussie Lucian I think we've got a couple more questions to come up a bit, a bit later on in the in the episode in, in the recording uh, but it's quite 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 a serious tone to these questions this week Lexi and uh, normally they're a lot more light-hearted but uh, it is quite a serious serious topic a serious time um, and uh, and you know very interesting especially when it comes to pro wrestling and a lot of the big events and like I say any other time of the year it probably wouldn't matter so much um but like you say whether it's wrestlemania or whether it's your indie promotion around the corner um you know it could have a big effect on on kind of people's enjoyment of wrestling wrestlers income and um yeah but i, I think you know common sense will probably kick in and prevail in the end and uh the, the wrestling promotions will be forced to do the right thing really for for their for, for their own safety for their fans safety and for their wrestlers safety and um Go very very interesting. You, you got me got me thinking about possibly having WrestleMania at the Performance Center now. I don't. That would be amazing. That would be like having uh, uh, kind of WrestleMania on NWA Power or something, or a similar sort of setting. But uh, very yeah. very interesting. Let, let's have a little look at this week's AEW Dynamite. The Lexi. So said that you yeah. you do watch uh, AEW fairly regularly. You've you've caught up with this week's episode. And yeah. this week's episode it kicked off with a match: Cody uh, versus Ortiz from. Uh, from uh, the inner circle of course and the, the fans were really really into this opening match uh, with, with Santana Ortiz's partner of course and Brandy Rose they were they were in so- on the outside they were getting involved uh, at points throughout this match with a little bit of outside interference uh, there was Cody with his with his well, well, I need to ask your opinion what's your thoughts on Cody's neck tattoo then Lexi there's been a lot of things going online about Cody's neck tattoo when I first saw it at the uh, latest pay-per-view revolution I was kind of thinking well I hope it's a transfer but because I hope I, I wouldn't want that on the side of my neck. It is quite colourful. It's quite big and bold. Uh, but it is a a yeah uh, a proper uh, fully paid for tattoo. So, are you a fan of Cody's neck tattoo, Lexi? I I like it, but I wouldn't have put it on the neck. No, I'd, I'd have put it in between the shoulder blades. Yeah. That's just me. Um, it's done. Listen, I can't talk. Um, you know, there's somebody going into the Hall of Fame this year that's like covered in tattoos, and I just want to grab him and be like, "Look, stop, stop. <laughs> you, you were fine. You were fine. Like ten years ago, you were fine. Stop now. Stop." Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah. It's the placement. It's the, it's this where it is on the neck. But uh, certainly not not for me. But uh, I'm sure we'll get used to it. I'm sure I'll get used to it. But yes. uh, Cody won this match against Ortiz for a submission uh, through a figure four leg lock. Um, the, the the most notable thing that happened during this match though was was the presence of uh, Jake Roberts, Jake the Snake Roberts, and he's a uh, newest uh, the newest acquisition to AEW. Jake Roberts, his client, yeah. uh, Lance Archer. They were sitting at ring ringside. Uh, Lexi, you know, does this mean that Lance Lance Archer if I can get his name out right, is uh, is Cody's next feud, his next opponent, and if so, you know, does Lance Archer and uh, Cody does it do anything for you for the future? I mean, I mean, just digging a bit deeper, this makes it, I think, Cody's uh, fifth 
um, kind of big feud um, in the last nine or ten months. He started with Dustin, uh, of course, in the lead up to Double or Nothing last year. Then Sean Spears, then Chris Jericho, uh, when he fought Jericho for the world title. Uh, MJF at Revolution. And then uh, number five could be Lance Archer. So Cody's kind of going through these big feuds with Lance Archer possibly being his next big rival. Um, but uh, d- d- does that sort of match up? Does it do anything for you for the future? Um, it's it's an interesting one. For me, I don't feel like the feud with MJF, MJF is finished. Yeah. Um, I I don't. I, I think that there's a lot more to come from it. Whether Lance Archer has um, a part to play in that, possibly. Um, but I kind of feel like Cody Rhodes is damned if he do, damned if he doesn't. If he was constantly in the title picture he would get criticised. And then, obviously, he's now sort of getting criticised for having too many feuds. And it's like, what do you want the guy to do? Do you want him to be in the title picture and be like, okay, I'm going to be the face of this company and I'm going to run the business and I'm going to do the... Or do you want him to go, actually, I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to put over other talents in the process of making myself look like the wrestler I want to be portrayed as if that makes sense yeah yeah absolutely couldn't have put it better better myself and I mean regardless of whether individuals that I think Cody's had uh, too many big fuse too close together Cody makes it work in the ring you know whether it's against Sean Spears or whether it's against an MJF or, or Dustin Rhodes you know it, it works and the build-up to these matches get you really pumped and really hyped for for the match itself and uh yeah, I, I think regardless of whether Lance Archer um, is his next big feud, I, I think he'll make it work regardless. But I also agree with you. I don't think there's, uh, I, I, I don't think it's over between Cody and MJF. And I personally want to see one more big match between those two. Um, but um, I mean, during that little segment, Lance Archer he did kind of tease hopping over the rails and it had to be held back by Jake Roberts. Um, but uh, I've got the feeling that Lance Archer might a crop up possibly in the front row to other people's matches as well. Although we did see the segment on last week's Dynamite with Jake Roberts and his promo is very hot and uh, scathing promo towards uh, Cody Rhodes uh, in the ring last week. But um, it's interesting. And uh, it's one of them threads. It's one of them storylines, uh, Lexi, that, that that makes me want to tune in and watch Dynamite every single week. So, but uh, yeah. I, I, I like Lance Archer. He's, he's really, really good um, in New Japan. Uh, fantastic. Um, at uh, Wrestle Kingdom in his match against John Moxley. So I can't wait to see what he brings to AEW. And he's a very, very bright acquisition. But then after the match, there was a backstage segment, Chris Jericho in the inner circle. They address uh, the big uh, blood and guts war game style match that's taking place in a couple of weeks time on Dynamite between the inner circle and the elite. Uh, When the camera pans down, it shows that a beaten Nick Jackson trapped underneath a set of like pull down shutter doors uh, with blood coming out of his mouth. seemingly in a lot of pain from the attack by the inner circle putting uh nick jackson in doubt for that blood and guts uh match beyond on the 25th of march and you then had uh, matt jackson kenny omega cody and dustin rhodes they rushed to nick's aid the inner circle quickly make their uh their their, uh, their escape their disappearance um but uh, that brings us to another question that we had sent to us by uh, ashley clements now 
actually kind of wasn't a big fan of kind of how this segment played out. He says, does uh, AEW need to work on backstage segments after what uh, what this week, um, after the Inner Circle attacked Nick Jackson and left the scene, you had the elite immediately uh, enter on camera and not allowing enough time for the for the heels to leave and the faces to enter um, to, uh, to attend to their friend in danger after the beatdown. So I kind of thought the same, and this was even before Ashley kind of sent the question when i saw dynamite i thought well the heels had just left and within a couple of seconds you had the inner circle there now if i was one of the uh uh if i was one of the elite i would have chased after the the the, the inner circle or you know but maybe there was a there maybe a back door that they escaped out of quickly and uh were, were gone before the elite turned up but uh any thoughts on this segment did you think the same did you have similar thoughts to myself uh when this happens uh, backstage on dynamite this week lexi um I I noticed it, um, but actually, there's there's a few ways of looking at it. One, the inner circle had the opportunity to get all members of the elite together and pick them off one by one. Yeah. And sort of go well, you know, if we if we want to take you down, we can. But. For me, the time that passed wasn't really an issue. I mean, they're athletes, you know, it's possibly a small venue. We don't know the layout or, and stuff like that. One thing I picked up on, though, was when the camera panned down to Nick on the floor, I think it's Excalibur that says, those doors are really heavy. And the next thing is, Omega lifts it up with ease. <laughs> yeah. And it's I was cool. like, <laughs> I was like, um, okay, I, I know I'm supposed to suspend my disbelief, but when that happens, obviously not. Um, but the whole um, chaotic nature of it reminded me a bit of um, when the NWO first formed, um and they picked Rey Mysterio up and long darted him into the production truck. And that scene of chaos and, you know, Macho Man jumping on the limo to try and get in and stuff like that just reminded me of that, yeah. um, which was really nice because actually sometimes that's what I want from wrestling. I want a little bit of chaos and a little bit of, you know, ooh, dastardly deeds from the heels. So, yeah. I, I agree. And I thought the segment worked really, really well. And I thought the, the beat down of uh, Nick Jackson and the way he seemed kind of in pain and, and bleeding, bleeding from the mouth, it, it looked uh, it looked realistic. And I, I quite enjoyed the segment, to be honest with you, and not, not something you see every week from a WWE product. Um, AEW are a little bit more edgy um, and they do kind of tend to show these sort of uh, backstage segments in a, a little bit more of a realistic light. But I think it worked. So I, I'm a fan of it and I'm, I'm a fan with how it played out. And it does build a little bit more excitement to this big. Uh, war game style match in a couple of weeks time as well Alexi so uh, I'm all for it definitely but we'll talk more about the, the match beyond a bit later on uh, but th then we had a segment with uh, Christopher Daniels in like a Dark Order um, a Dark Order Sucks segment I think it was called uh, trying to put some distance between the rumours of him being part of the Dark Order by challenging both Evil Ono and Stu Grayson to a one-on-one -on -one match on a future episode of Dynamite in AEW Dark, whilst challenging the Dark Order to prove the existence of the Exalted One. So I think if anybody is a fan of um, uh, kind of 
Matt Hardy and his YouTube show and the Young Bucks appearing on his YouTube show recently. I think all signs are pointing towards Matt Hardy possibly being the exalted one. Now that we know that Lance Archer isn't going to be the exalted one, there's still a possibility of uh, of uh, Brody Lee, uh, what's his WWE name, um, the former Wyatt's family member. Oh, uh, but. Luke Harper, yes, how could I possibly forget that he's still to come on the scene, he's signed with AEW, there's a chance that he could be the exalted one, but uh, are your kind of thoughts along the same line as mine then, Lexi, that it it looks like it's pointing towards Matt Hardy, doesn't it? I would, they are, but I would like it if it wasn't. um, They're trying to throw a swerve ball, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's unlikely, but Lance Archer could still be the the exalted one. Yeah. Um, you know, because originally, if you go back to the um, higher power storyline in WWE, one of the pitched people to be this higher power was Jake the Snake. Um, so, yeah, it, it might be playing back to that and seeing the what what may have happened kind of thing. Um but what I loved, and I don't know whether anybody else picked up on it, was Christopher Daniels dropped in a massive Simpsons wrestling, uh, reference. I he, didn't catch that. What he, was it? When he started, he said, hi, I'm Christopher Daniels. You may remi- remember me from such shows as. And of course, as any Simpsons fan will tell you, it's Troy McClure. Troy McClure. That, that does yeah. that. So, uh, yeah, I was well <laughs> impressed with that. Um, Love it. Yeah, and it was amazing. So I was just like, yes, we we can we can have this version of Christopher Daniels. It's all very good. Yeah, yeah, I was highly entertained. I've not been the biggest fan of Christopher Daniels. Um, I've not been been the biggest follower of Christopher Daniels, but I am quite enjoying what he's doing here. Um, and kind of a little tease as to whether he's part of the Dark Order or not. And I did enjoy this segment as well. Um, and then we had quite an entertaining tag match between Chris Statlander and uh, Sheeda versus Nyla Rose and B Priestley, with um, Rose and Priestley getting the win following uh, Nyla Rose's Beast Bomb. Um, and uh, after the match, Nyla Rose's tag partner B Priestley. She appeared to show a bit of a desire towards Nyla Rose's championship so that'd be interesting to see how that develops uh but my, my favorite team of all in AEW and I don't know about yourself it's the Jurassic Express I'm a big fan of Jungle Boy big yes. fan of Luchasaurus uh Marco Stunt is definitely growing on me uh, yeah. but they took on the duo of the Butcher and the Blade and MJF um, in, in quite a fun and entertaining six-man tag. You had Lutasaurus. He was the real star of this match. He was really kind of on top form, hitting a, a step over senton, a double choke slam, a standing moonsault in this match. Uh, we also saw a brief uh, kind of hot fight between Lutasaurus and the Butcher. That was quite fun. Um, then after a, distra- a distraction from the bunny on the ring apron, the end of the match came after Jungle Boy was launched off the top of the turnbuckle to the outside. Wardlow attached Luchasaurus, attacked Luchasaurus, and uh, MJF made Marco Stunt tap out with an armbar in the centre of the ring. So this was a fun and entertaining six-man, uh, Lexi. Uh, it, it, it was also announced on comments, commentary, which I find staggering every time I hear it, but MJF will soon be turning 24 years old and Jungle Boy is only 21. Now, when I was 21 or 24, uh, I, I, I was probably, uh, you know, <laughs> in all the bars and clubs around Oxford. Uh, I don't know about yourself, but uh, these guys have got the world at their feet 
excellent professional wrestlers and they've got uh, they're obviously going to be the future of AEW and professional wrestlers in general which I think they're still only 21 and 24 it was the same a few years ago when we were talking about Tyler Bate and Pete Dunne and how young and accomplished they were but uh, give us your thoughts on what went down here and uh, you know AEW are really kind of breeding the, the kind of future uh, world world stars, really wrestling stars. Um, certainly in AEW, and um, you know you wouldn't think MJF is such a talented heel and such a talented wrestler um, as he is Jungle Boy. You wouldn't kind of think that they were so young and so accomplished at such an age, would you? No, I mean I've been really impressed with both MJF and uh, Jungle Boy. Um, just because they're so different. Um, MJF reminds me of the, you know, old school, arrogant, gobshite of a heel. Yeah. And Jungle Boy is just so different. Um, And I've I've written here, I adore the entrance of Jurassic Express. Yeah. But did you catch that uh, Luchasaurus kicked Marco in the face? I didn't. I'm gonna have to go back and watch that again. <laughs> so, just for just so you know where you're looking for when they all get onto the the ring apron before they get into the ring. If you watch, um, Luchasaurus puts his leg up and accidentally gets Marco in the face, um, and the camera angle changes dead quick. Um, and I was like, whoa, what happened then? So, if I'm wrong. You know, but that's what I thought <laughs> happened. I, I genuinely thought he got kicked in the face. So, um, but yeah, um, it's it's exciting to see where they're going to go with it, um, especially, you know, Marco and his daredevil stunts. Yes. You know, I've I've written down Marco don't die, um, for something that he did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think it was when he he launched himself out of the ring at someone, and I was like, "Don't die, please, don't die." Um, but yeah, it's 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 great. Um, and a question that that I have now is: Are AEW teasing a three-person tag title belt? Possibly. Wow. Yeah, it's very interesting. In fact, I think we had a, a, a listener's question on a, a couple of episodes ago uh, regarding a mid-card title for AEW. And I suggested the very same thing, that it could be introduced or looking towards uh, a trio's title, especially when you look at the amount of stables and factions they've got and the kind of three-man teams in, in AEW. And um, I don't know if it, somebody responded to uh, a similar question um, on the Wrestling with John's uh, Facebook page the other day saying that AW have already announced a trio's title for 2021. Now I haven't heard that, and if I did come across it, I must have skipped over that detail. But I think it's it's looking like a, a natural mid card title for AW to have, especially when you look at teams like the Jurassic Express and you know the Dark Order and you know the the, the multiples that you can have. Uh, Death Triangle as well, and we're going to be talking more about them yes. very soon. But there's so many um, best friends and Orange Cassidy. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. They've probably got about uh, six to eight uh, trios or combos that they can kind of put together. 
they can have a fantastic tournament to kind of lead up to the first ever champions. But uh, yeah, I think they should. And uh, it would yeah. be a lot different as well. It's kind of more of a, a Mexican style tag team type championship that you don't often see in North America or certainly yeah. not in promotions that I watch. Um, but yeah, watch your space. I think that could be really, really good. Um, and then that brings us to our ne- next match. I did mention just a moment ago, Death Triangle, the combination of the newly formed uh, stable of Pac, Ray Phoenix and Pentagon Jr. And uh, they went up against the trio of Private Party, a team that we haven't seen on Dynamite for a while. And uh, one of my favourites of all time, Joey Janela. And this was really fast-paced and action-packed six-man tag. Now, I, I love the combo of Pac and the Lucha Brothers. However, I have to be honest, and say that I was rooting for Joey Janela in this one. I've got to be honest, I am a big fan of Joey Janela. Uh, Mark Quinn and Isaiah Cassidy, a private party, of course, they, they demonstrated why they were so popular in the tag team title tournament last October. And they kind of reminded us of all their fantastic high flying flair between the two of them. Uh, but it was Death Triangle who came out the victors thanks to a, a package pile driver double foot stomp combo followed by a black arrow from Pac for the pinfall victory. Now, after the match, uh, Pac, Ray Phoenix and Pentagon Jr., they slapped on their death triangle triple submission hold on Private Party and Janela. And that was until the trio of the best friends and Orange Cassidy, they came out to chase uh, death triangle out of the ring. Um, so uh, uh, we, we find out that Death Triangle and uh, will be taking on Orange Cassidy and Best Friends in a six-man tag on next week's Dynamite. And uh, I think we're also we're also scheduled to uh, have the unveiling of the Exalted One next week uh, on next week's so Dynamite. Then uh, Lexi, so it will all become clear um, after our conversation just a moment ago with who the Exalted One is. And uh, I think there's also going to be a six-man match uh, featuring members from the Elite and members from the Inner Circle. Uh, just yeah. one week before the Bloods kind of war game. So next week's Dynamite, I mean, already it's got me uh, hooked, to be honest with you, a really stacked lineup. Uh, yeah. But uh, any thoughts on the debut of Death Triangle? Anything that caught your eye in that match? If that makes sense, because like you look at them and you go, oh, they're not going to have much in common, possibly. And mm. there might be some conflicting um, agendas in the group didn't seem to show um but yeah i love i love them um and i can't wait to see more of them i can't wait to see more of pax promos either um i think he's so underrated as well um and you know hopefully one day we'll see him as as a world champion somewhere um but yeah um but also backing it up with with those you know with um ray phoenix and pentagon jr um you know i i love it um especially because pentagon jr i've followed off and on during his career so where i can find him um i'll often dip in just to watch him because i think he's fantastic um so yeah yeah, it's all good. And, and, and Ray Phoenix, I think he's sometimes the young sung hero of that uh, of that uh, tag team, the Lucha Brothers. And, and Ray Phoenix, I mean, when you look at him in the ring, he's he's lightning quick. The dives he does through the ropes and then he, he does a lot of rope wa- walking as well, a lot of uh, action yes. off of the ropes where he does his, his walking across the ropes, then does some sort of hurricane run or dive and crazy move. But uh, he is just phenomenal. And, and like I say, sometimes the unsung hero of that group. But having the three of them together is very, very exciting. 
exciting and um, a, a, you know a, a group that a lot of wrestling fans are definitely behind um, but uh, then that leads us nicely to our main event of this week's Dynamite um, and it was a match between uh, uh, can I still say Le Champion I used to love saying Le Champion with Chris <laughs> Jericho but uh, Le Champion Chris Jericho Sammy Guevara going up against Hangman Adam Page and of course Adam Page and uh, Kenny Omega are the tag team champions in AEW but uh, Omega is seemingly out at the moment with a broken hand uh, following his match um, or their match at Revolution so Adam Page it's been advertised Adam Page was going to have a mystery partner Uh, now it was believed uh, from an earlier promo with the Young Bucks that Nick Jackson was possibly going to be that mystery partner. Then he was put out of action thanks to that backstage attack at the beginning of the show. Instead, Dustin Rhodes inserted himself into the match to be Paige's partner. Now, during the match, uh, we had a lot of outside interference from other members of the inner circle, as you would expect, including uh, Jake Hager. He was there as well. Uh, Jericho mocked Adam Page by taking a drink from a a fan at ringside, only to be uh, punched in the face by Page, spitting beer all over the place. That was quite fun. Uh, Hangman then took a gulp of the very same drink uh, before throwing it to the floor. Now, not only was it a perfectly, you know, a, a waste of a perfectly good beer, Lexi, uh, but yes. I'm not entirely sure about their hygiene levels uh, in yes. that part of the match, to be honest with you. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, um, it has to be said that Adam Page, he's really turned a corner recently. You know, he's always been a brilliant performer, but now his character is really super over with the fans. And uh, I think he's, he's one of the hottest uh, individuals in the promotion at the moment. Are you, are you getting behind Adam Page? Do you think that the, the, the latest kind of character development within Adam Page has, has kind of made him more interesting all round? What would you say? I liked Adam Page anyway from okay. uh, his New Japan days. I not worry, but I become uncomfortable when the drinking element is constantly brought up. Yeah. Um. You know, it's well known that wrestlers and addiction go hand in hand with one another. Um. I don't think it's needed, but that's just me. Um, I get why they're doing it. You know, it makes him seem more relatable or whatever. Um, but I, I don't know. I just don't. I can't buy into that part of Adam Page. Um, whereas, you know, if it was somebody else, possibly, yeah, great. Um, yeah. So I think as well. It's one of the things that AEW does that go, okay, we're going to do the complete opposite um, to WWE. And sometimes they WWE don't do those things for a reason. Um, you know, and, and people can say, oh, well, what about Austin? You know, I'm looking forward to 316. Um on Monday where, you know, Austin's there and at some point there's going to be a beer celebration. There has to be. Yeah. But it was a different time back then. And a lot of, um, I don't know, a a lot of the social conscience is now more placed onto companies, especially somebody as influential as Adam Page. Yeah. um, And the company as a whole. So I'm just kind of, I'm cautious around it, I think is the best way to word it. Yeah, yeah. And I I had the same feelings as you at the very beginning. I was kind of thinking, well, you know, is is it a storyline that 
that is appropriate or necessary. Um, but I think more than anything, looking at the character development of Adam Page, I think the positive is that it has made him a slightly more watchable individual, I suppose. I don't think the drinking angle is going to be a long term thing, if I'm honest with you. Uh, but I think if it does what it needs to in the short term, then good for Adam Page. Um, yes, it's all part of an ongoing storyline that, that once again is quite intriguing and uh, it's getting people kind of watching on a week to week basis. But um, at the end of the match was pretty good, though, in this one where you had Dustin. He nailed a Canadian destroyer. He's getting pretty good at that, I've got to say. Yeah. Um, uh, then uh, there's a buckshot lariat from um, Adam Page on Sammy Guevara. So Sammy Guevara really goes through the ringer on this one. And after the buckshot lariat, Page hooks the leg, gets the one, two, three. Uh, and after the match here, you had uh, uh, Dustin and Page. They both got attacked by the inner circle. Kenny Omega came down. Cody came down. They got beaten down as well. Um, and uh, Cody, uh, he got suplexed on the rampway. That looks pretty painful. And the uh, it, the inner circle were just about to uh, triple powerbomb Adam Page off the stage in exactly the same way they did to John Moxley last week when uh, Matt Jackson came from uh, from the back uh, to make the save. Uh, but even Matt Jackson, he got beaten down and uh, the show came to the end thanks to a chair shot to the head from Jericho as this week's Dynamite went off the air. So this was a, a pretty hot storyline uh, running through the entire episode, as a matter of fact, from the attack of Nick Jackson at the top of the show through to the match and then the attack of the elite at the end of the show, all perfectly setting up their five-way kind of war games, blood and guts match in two weeks' time. So I thought it's a nice thread that carried us through this episode of AEW Dynamite Lexi. Uh, the match was pretty good. Um, Sammy Guevara takes another pinfall loss, uh, but th there's a lot to unpick from this one here. Um, but uh, give us your thoughts on what went down here then. Um, I don't, I didn't see how it would have ended any other way, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, you've got Adam Page, he's one half of the tag team champions. What do you do to keep them looking strong, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. Um, you know, I thought it was a masterclass in classic old school heel factions um and i think i've written down somewhere uh jr has put or jr says there's multiple distractions uh, at ringside and my reaction was no shit it's a heel faction of course there's gonna be <laughs> Absolutely. You know, you know, whenever any member of the inner circle is involved, the other members of the inner circle are going to be there around ringside somewhere. But uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but as well with Jericho, there was lots of um, classic, you know, early heel Jericho, you know, so he went for the pin and he flexed his muscles and he shouted, come on, baby, which I haven't seen him do for a, a while. Um, but one of the things that I... Um, thought and it's funny that you said about um dustin doing the canadian destroyer i was like why has he never been world champ yeah you know and i was like seriously you know i think people might need to put that right but what i did like as well is the fact that um when matt jackson came back to make the save he made the save on page but his feelings toward him still hadn't changed because he, he gave him the finger. He did. Um, and if you go right back to the beginning, um, they have the discussion, and I'm sure it's Matt that says to Nick, 
tell me you're not seriously thinking of teaming with this prick. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, what's going on there? So I thought that was a really nice way to end the show when it sort of shows that there's more tension going on in the elite and stuff, which, yeah. again, I need to, you know, I need to find out what's going on. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, co- there's continuity as well, Lexi. There's continuity, you know. Yeah. And if you look at the WWE product, it's not always continuity, and they don't always follow storylines through, and they don't always have this. I mean, I, I think some of the classic Monday Night Raws or some of the classic episodes of any WWE WWF show has always had a, a storyline arc, whether it be from a, a long-term promotion of yeah. a feud or a long-term promotion of a storyline, or sometimes you know just a a story that carries you through an episode of Raw, and you don't often see that nowadays and that's one thing that i as i alluded to in my kind of description there you know there was a thread that carried you through this whole episode of dynamite from the very beginning and when you had the young bucks there and matt saying to to nick what he said about teaming with with adam page and then the attack and then the match and then all the shenanigans afterwards and i really love that that storyline continuity that thread that carries you through and keeps you hooked i think AEW are doing doing it really really well at the moment yeah um it makes you as well it makes you um understand motives more and get behind the characters more um you know it's not just oh well we're gonna have this match because um so it is it's 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 lovely to see um you know and if uh you know the ratings are to be believed in the perceived wednesday night wars um, the fans are buying it too so yeah yeah and that, that's one thing that i'm loving about dynamite every single week is is kind of the uh storyline developments and the action is always good but the storyline developments are there as well and uh yeah i'm all for it but that covers our kind of recap of dynamite for this week lexi let's have a little look at nxt so uh i know that we, we've caught up with our uh, nxt from the wwe network and it's yeah. the, the march 11th episode um and and now Every single Wednesday or Thursday, whenever we catch it in the UK, we used to see an NXT at full sale. But uh, this week it was from the WWE Performance Center. Now, I know that we spoke a little bit about the Performance Center and NXT being there and the possibility of SmackDown being there. But uh, it, it, was, it was it had a nice little feel to it and had a bit more of a... I know full sale was quite intimate anyway, um, But and I mentioned uh, about NWA Power. It had that sort of kind of studio feel, that small-time kind of studio feel, uh, that intimate... Uh, feeling and i thought it was really good and even more refreshing to be out of full sale to be honest with you because i think they need to take the product on the road a bit more for their regular wednesday uh wednesday showing but um i thought it really really works now uh the, the show opened lexi with uh, a, a, a quite an entertaining united states championship match between keith lee and cameron grimes i'm a big fan of those two wrestlers uh this is a really fun opening match between these two with with grimes uh managing to wriggle out of several of uh, keith lee's big spirit bomb attempts um i don't think keith lee was able to hit a spirit bomb on, uh, on cameron grimes despite the numerous attempts um and uh grimes he nearly pulled off a shock win himself with a superb bridging german suplex on the 330 pound Keith Lee. Uh, Lee did manage to retain the championship after a devastating uh, 
pounce on Grimes. He kind of pounced uh, Grimes halfway across the ring uh, before hitting Grimes with his kind of jackhammer power slam. I'm not entirely sure whether it's got a proper name, but uh, quite impressive is what I'm going to call it. Uh, then after the match, you had uh, you had Damien Priest. He came down to attack uh, Lee from behind with like a telescopic truncheon, a telescopic stick, uh, before being chased off by Dominic Dijakovic. However, uh, when Lee recovered, the first person he saw was Dijakovic, uh, with Lee giving uh, spirit bomb to Dijakovic for his troubles. Given us a glimpse of a possible three-way match at Takeover Tampa in three weeks' time, so a lot to unpick from this from this very action-packed opening match on this week's NXT. Lexi, um, obviously Keith Lee didn't know that it was uh, Damien Priest that hit him from behind. He thought it was Dominic Dijakovic. So I kind of like the the storyline there. I, I liked uh, how uh, the the, the, the storyline, the angles evolving. But uh, what, what's your kind of takeaway from this uh, opening match on this week's NXT then? Um, wow. Um, for me, the whole um, Keith Lee uh, spirit bombing Dijakovic yeah. m- makes sense for me purely because he had the title in his hand. So obviously, two and two together, this guy's still after my title kind of thing. Um, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Um, but I could also see it being a fatal four-way. So Keith Lee, Dijakovic, um, 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 Damien Priest. Yep, Damien Priest and Grimes. Yeah, possibly. Um, I, I did have a couple of like sarcastic comments though. Um, there was a bit where the uh, Grimes's hat got knocked off the ring post. And everybody lost, like, their minds. And I was like, the hat is more over than Grimes at the moment. <laughs> Good um, point. And also, as well, did you notice the hashtag for that match? No. Right. So the hashtag is NXTNA title. So NXTNA ah. title. <laughs> And I yeah. was like, I saw it and I had to do a double take. And I was like, what? So maybe they need to rethink that. Yes, that was lost on me, but well spotted. Thank you very much. <laughs> but uh, that, that was a good opener, a good entertaining opener. Once again, um, it kind of leads you to think that there could be a multi-man match for the North American Championship at TakeOver Tampa. Fingers yeah. crossed, provided, provided it all goes ahead. And uh, I, I like your kind of fantasy book in there, possibly adding Cameron Grimes into the mix. I'm a big fan of Cameron Grimes. I think he's uh, quite a, a, a big, engaging personality on NXT. And uh, I love what he does on the mic and in the ring. So uh, that's very interesting. But a four-way would definitely work for me. Uh, then we saw Mia Yim. She defeated Dakota Kai in a qualified match for the women's uh, number one contenders ladder match at TakeOver Tampa on the 4th of April. Um, after the match, Yim was attacked by Raquel Gonzalez, possibly uh, giving us a glimpse of uh, a possible feud for Mia Yim uh, with uh, Gonzalez, uh, possibly being the first, having uh, Mia Yim as Gonzalez's first real opponent in the coming weeks. Uh, Yim joins Chelsea Green and Tiga Knox. Tiga Knox also won another qualified match on this week's NXT. She beat Deonna Perrazzo um, 
and uh, so that's three out of the six competitors all lined up for the women's championship number one contenders ladder match that's quite a long title for any match if ever I've uh, said yeah. one before but uh, there's uh, a six women championship number one contenders match at uh, takeover Tampa so um yeah Chelsea Green Tegan Knox and Mia Yim so that's uh, three pretty good names I've got to throw in one name and uh, from an individual that we haven't seen in quite a while and you probably know where I'm going with this but we haven't seen it a lot or heard from um Io Shirai in a number of weeks and I think she's out with an injury at the moment but I'm really hoping that she gets entered into that ladder match so she needs to have a qualified match first but uh, any thoughts on who you might like to see join uh Tegan Chelsea and uh, Mia Yim um as the other three in this ladder match then I think we have to have Bianca Belair without yeah. a shadow of a doubt true um I I'm still a little unhappy that she's not challenging at Mania um, just because of the way that she was built up. But that's a different issue for a different day. Yeah. Um, I, I agree just... with you, by the way. I do agree with you. I, I, I would have liked to have seen, because she's such a striking personality and such a fantastic athlete. Yeah. Um, and I think she's, personally, I think she's more engaging than Rhea Ripley. As much as I like Rhea Ripley, I think that Bianca Belair is more that kind of WWE larger-than-life personality. And yeah. I think that her against Flair at Mania or her against Flair and Ripley would have made a fantastic triple threat match at Mania. Um, and um, I think that we saw it at the Royal Rumble that Bianca Belair has megastar written all over her. Yeah. And uh, I think she is ready made for the main roster products, dare I say it. And um, I agree with you. I, I thought that her match a couple of weeks ago on NXT against Charlotte Flair was very good. Yeah. But I think that deserves to be a match in the future on a bigger stage. And hopefully, I'm sure we'll see it between uh, Bianca Belair and Charlotte Flair on a bigger stage in the future. But yeah, I would love to have seen Belair inserted into that match. And um, yeah, for the future. That's a, a yeah. dream for the future. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just trying to think who else is there on the on the roster. I mean, I know that she's not with the company anymore, but I'd love to have seen Jazzy um, yeah. from NXT UK. Yeah. Um, Tony Storm is possibly mm-hmm. another one. Yeah, good shout, or maybe a Candice LeRae, possibly. Um, I mean, their their women's division in NXT is absolutely stacked, and like you say, you've yeah. got the potential of throwing in some NXT UK names in there. Maybe a Kaylee Ray. I think a Kaylee Ray. Can you imagine her doing her stuff off oh, of the ladder? She's yeah, a daredevil yeah. at the best of times. Yeah. Some of the things she might be able to deliver off the ladder uh, in Tampa will be absolutely fantastic. But um, then we had a really fun match between Kashida and Raul Mendoza, with Kashida delivering a very impressive hoverboard lock transitioning from like the, the top turnbuckle. Um, first of all, you think. They're going to do like a Spanish fly, but then they kind of flip over. And when they land, Kushida hooks in uh, the hoverboard. Look very, very impressive. uh, And a quick tap out by uh, Mendoza. Uh, Now, a a quick question for you then, Lexi. We've seen Kushida um, perform that move a few times. And he's he's been very impressive. I thought he was very impressive for this match. Um, But uh, WWE and NXT, they haven't really pulled the trigger on Kushida. He's been there about nine or ten months now. I think he joined just after WrestleMania. So possibly closer to a year now he's been with the company. Uh, What do you see, you know, as being the plans for Kushida uh, from here on or you know are they going to pull the trigger on Kushida and give him a, a big match or possibly a championship somewhere down the line what, what's the ceiling for the time splitter in NXT or WWE uh, what's your thoughts on Kushida I hope it goes differently um, to how Hideo Itami went yeah. um, because he came over and he was absolutely amazing Um 
and then obviously fate got involved and injuries came into play and stuff like that for me i would love to see kishida go through the ranks and work his way up so go through the ranks i don't know maybe form a tag team with someone and then go up from there but for me that match kishida versus raul mendoza was match of the night for me um agreed you know so much so that i actually wrote it in the margins you know this is the best match on nxt this week um but it, it would be nice um even if they don't have him go for things like the north american title i think he qualifies for 205 live yeah um and the the heavyweight titles uh, sorry the cruiserweight title so for me seeing him with a, a title is definitely down the line somewhere it might be a case of we have to be patient with it because the the roster itself is so stock now because you've blended NXT USA, NXT yeah. UK and 205 Live together. It's only a two hour show. There's only so much you can do. Um, and of course, there are going to be the obvious people that, that get forgotten about or left out. Um, but there we go. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think they they should wait too much longer before pulling the trigger on Kashida. I think if you leave him too much longer, people will, will forget about him and forget what a fantastic talent he is. And like you say, although he's got a, a bit more of an engaging personality as compared to Hideo Itami, uh, Kenta, um, I think that they've got something special in Kashida. And he's, he's a multiple time junior heavyweight champion in uh, in New Japan, of course. So I think th- I'd love to see him in the ring with Jordan Devlin. Can you imagine the magic that those two would perform in the ring for the Cruiserweight Championship? Um, and, uh, you know, I don't think it's likely to be on the card for TakeOver Tampa, but that would be a TakeOver worthy match if ever I've seen one. Yeah, possibly TakeOver Dublin if they're going to do it. Good point. Yeah, that would be great. I mean, yeah. uh, uh, Jordan Devlin's got to defend his championship in Dublin uh, against somebody. Uh, that would be a pretty awesome match to have Kashida. But um, uh, then we let's see. Uh, then we saw a confrontation, another confrontation between Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair, which ended up in a big brawl inside the ring. Um, and uh, Charlotte Flair even wrapped Rhea Ripley's left leg around the ring post before hooking in a figure four leg lock around the ring post, uh, a la Bret Hart. That's the sort of thing that Bret Hart used to do to his opponents. Um, oh. So, Lexi, you know, what's your thoughts on the on the build between these two only three weeks away from Mania? So we spoke a little bit about Rhea Ripley, uh, yeah. uh, Bianca Belair, sorry. Uh, we know that Bianca's not going to be involved in the Mania match, but we do have... Um, Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair for Mania for the NXT Women's Championship. Um, are you hyped for this match? Have they got more to do to get you uh, hooked or invested? Or do you think the build has been pretty good already? Um, I am invested, but I'm also annoyed with my investment as well. For me, that match shouldn't happen on the WrestleMania card. It's an NXT title keep it in NXT because you are going to get people that will want to see the likes of you know Charlotte Flair so they'll tune in if it's on the NXT card um there's arguments that say you know well actually putting it on the mania card highlights it but if if that came at like the the cost of say the intercontinental title being defended on the card the main card not the pre-show yeah then no um you know 
for me, I am a little bit knocked as well. And I said that before, I am a little bit knocked that Charlotte has been given a chance at the NXT title. Um, whilst, yes, it makes fantastic storylines and yes, it's something new, it's something exciting. I, I'd still want to see Bianca Belair with the title before Charlotte. That's just me. Um, but while we're on it, can we take a moment to appreciate the fact that Charlotte Flair put that figure four leg lock in, a la Bret Hart, in heels? Well, that's something that uh, uh, I didn't notice. I'm guessing that you you did spot that a mile off, but I didn't. And uh, now that you've said it, I'm all the more impressed. So <laughs> yeah. that's another thing I'm going to have to go back and watch. But uh, in heels, that's... Uh, could be the move of the week. It could be the that, that could be the move of the week. But uh, yeah. very impressed now that you've said that. Yeah. Um, and mean, they, yeah they they weren't skyscrapers by any stretch of the imagination, but they were still a heel, you know. <laughs> and I was just like, I cannot believe you've just put that in, um, you know. And I'm seeing this side to Charlotte Flair, this more arrogant heelish side cements why WWE have really pushed her and decorated her as much as she has been um yeah I think it's don't get me wrong it's fantastic I just kind of wanted it to be somebody else um but there we go so well no and I agree with you and uh, I mean at least uh, during TakeOver Tampa, they're going to have that epic uh, six-woman ladder match, which is probably going to steal the show, if not the weekend. Um, but um, yeah, now that you've said about Charlotte Flair putting on a figure four leg lock around the ring post in heels, she's even gone up in my estimation. So uh, now that you've pointed that out, I'm going to have to go back and watch it. So thank you. Uh, <laughs> then we had uh, this, this week's main event, Lexi. It was the NXT Tag Team Championship match between the Bros Awaits, Pete Dunne and Matt Riddle versus the Undisputed Era. Uh, but before the match, we had an appearance from the Velveteen Dream challenging Adam Cole to a championship match at TakeOver Tampa. Uh, Cole responded by saying that uh, the Dream has not, her- not earned a title shot again against him and tells Dream that uh, next week he becomes the longest reigning NXT champion of all time and will be having a championship celebration. So that'd be something to look forward to. And it almost certainly looks like it's going to be Dream versus Cole um, over mainly weekend at Tampa. Then we go into the match, the Bros Awaits versus the Undisputed Era. Uh, so this is a rematch from their match at TakeOver Portland when the Bros Awaits beat the Undisputed Era to become the champions. Uh, Riddle played a bit of a conductor of sorts as he started a couple of chants aimed at their opponents. That was quite amusing. Uh, yeah. This was a really fun match with uh, with a little exchange between Matt Riddle and Kyle O'Reilly uh, that, that got me all excited. And that's definitely you know a one-on-one encounter that uh, I, I could only dream of uh, seeing in the flesh one day but um, definitely got me intrigued that little encounter there. there there was a really fun segment in this one where Matt Riddle used his partner for like a step over um, somersault sent on over the top rope and onto all four members of the Undisputed Era on the outside then Riddle throws Roddy Strong into the ring causing uh, the ref to be distracted uh, while the ref's back was turned Matt Riddle threw Adam Cole into the ring uh, with Pete Dunne feigning uh, being super kicked by Adam Cole 
in true Eddie Guerrero style, in true Eddie Guerrero fashion, with the referee sending Cole uh, and Strong to the back, uh, no less than they deserved, I'm sure. This was a uh, an unsurprisingly good match with uh, Fish, O'Reilly, Riddle and Dunn. Uh, but after having Cole and Strong sent to the back, the Grizzled Young Veterans, GYV, uh, they then came uh, to the ring. They got involved. But after Bobby Fish gets tumbled over the top rope onto GYV on the outside, uh, Dunn and Riddle hit their flash knee strike, kick to the head combo for the pinfall victory, managing to retain their championships in the process. So once again, lots to unpick from this match. Lots of kind of ongoing storylines. And you've got uh, Adam Cole and Roddy Strong getting involved and then being sent to the back. GYV coming out, possibly, you know, setting off, uh, you know, thoughts of maybe a championship match, then being involved in a championship match at TakeOver Tampa, maybe a three-way there. Or certainly GYV could have a, uh, a match against the Bros Awaits. But uh, give us your thoughts on what went down here before we talk about uh, the very exciting uh, thing that closed the show tell us about this tag match and your thoughts about it i loved this tag match um i love pete dunn i'm sad that he's not with the babbies as i call them trent and tyler um for me that that whole thing and looking back at the stuff that they did in progress was amazing but for me i love the tag team i love i don't know whether you've seen it on social media but there's something called the flip the switch challenge. Yeah. And I put it on the Facebook group last night. It's on yeah. There. <laughs> and I was just like, that's amazing that Pete Dunn's actually done it. Um, you know, I just, and I loved it. I marked out big time when uh, Pete pulled an Eddie and I actually wrote Pete, Pete Dunn pulls an Eddie. We do not <laughs> yeah. deserve Peter, um, which is amazing. Um, and it's it's little things like that that I miss about wrestling and you can tell that they're all having fun they're all having fun they all you know get on with one another etc etc which is great um any any opportunity to see Liverpool's number one um is is fantastic um you know so I I can't wait I would love to see grizzled young veterans with the NXT tag, tag titles yeah. but I don't think I'd be able to stand Gibbo in his promos <laughs> going we are now recognised just yeah. like um, <laughs> just like Liverpool Football Club um, no no um, so yeah, yeah. Am, I, am I right in thinking that Zach Gibson is a red uh, yes. And you're you're a, you're a blue, aren't you? I am a yeah, and I've I've told Zach Gibson to his face. I met him, um, oh late 2018, and I said to him, "I love you as a wrestler. I just don't like, just don't like your team." <laughs> and like it was really nice. He was dead sweet about it. To be fair, um, but also um, from what I understand, James Drake is also a red. Ah. Um, but yeah, every any time they come out, it is you know massive massive representing the you know the liverpool um that's why his that's why his suits are always on fire you know um i'm half expecting him to walk out one day and have trainers on with a suit but that's a different issue for a different day um but yeah very very biased towards them absolutely adore them um they broke my heart at takeover blackpool one when they won the tag titles over british strong style but the future is very, very bright. I would love to see 
you know, three-way match between Grizzled Young Veterans, Pete and um, Matt Riddle and Undisputed Era for the tag titles. I think that's going to print money, no matter how how you look at it, no matter if it's just the Bros Awaits versus the Undisputed Era again um, and Grizzled Young Veterans somehow get involved. I think it's going to print money, no matter what. Um so yeah, I can't I can't wait to see how that pit, that plays out. Yeah, and and one thing on that, and just to kind of pick up on on your point there, is, is I, I'm I'm really really um, happy to see how well Pete Dunne and Matt Riddle have gelled together as a team, and we we know you know they're accomplished singles wrestlers, and we know that Undisputed Era and GYV they're accomplished tag teams. They've been tagging with each other for for, for years, but Pete Dunne and Matt Riddle, I know that. They've had their, you know, scrapes on the indie circuit, and I think they may have uh, tagged together or wrestled one another for progress. But they, they've gelled so well on NXT, considering they've only had a handful of matches. They've won the Dusty Classic. They they won the NXT Tag Team Titles, and and to look at them and the way they do uh, flow so well as a team in the ring, you would think they've been together for years. So to have that possible three-way at Takeover between three really really accomplished teams, it it could very well be you know dare i say another kind of match of the week you know a match of the year contender but uh, another match yeah that i'm looking forward to most definitely but uh, the action didn't end there lexi so just when we thought you know that the little copyright logo was going to come up at the bottom right hand corner of the screen the show ends with with a promo segment uh you had uh, tomato champer in the ring johnny gargano on the big screen somewhere backstage uh with gargano telling the fans via the the video wall that uh, everyone seems to have forgotten what champer did to johnny over the last few years and asks uh, what Champa has done to be redeemed and feels that he's missing an apology. Uh, this leads to Tommaso leaving the ring to find Johnny, which he does in one of the boardrooms backstage, where they start to brawl through the backstage area into the medical bay, into the gym area. Uh, Johnny throws Champa through a glass door. Uh, that was quite impressive. Then into some gym equipment. Uh, Tommaso then... Uh, uh, picks up some weights and throws some dumbbell weights at Johnny, uh, but instead destroys a huge gym mirror um, that they fight into the fans um, and uh, Champ and Gargano, they fight their way up onto this little uh, balcony area, they, they were calling it the perch area, above the commentary desk where Gargano slaps on the Gargano escape onto Tommaso Champa. The show goes off the air, however, with uh, Tommaso Champa dropping himself and Johnny Gargano off the edge of this perch down onto the commentary desk with a gigantic air raid crash, sending both wrestlers crashing through this commentary table down below. And then with William Regal coming out to check on both wrestlers and then to shout for medical help. This was a really hot ending to uh, an excellent episode of NXT. And Lexi, you know, that, that brawl between Gargano and Champa, it, it's kind of got me invested again in their feud. And I must admit, when they started kind of picking it up again following TakeOver Tampa, takeover Portland a few weeks ago where Gargano turned heel you know I I was kind of semi into it but I'm all the way into it and I'm really really looking forward to next week and the following week and then eventually take over Tampa but this brawl was the kind of the icing and the cherry on top of the cake that was NXT this week but give us your thoughts on this closing segment to NXT I adored it I I haven't seen a segment like that by WWE for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, and I know that that reigniting this rivalry has 
received a lot of criticism and there's been lots of memes that have been going around of like you know loser leaves the care home match and stuff like that but you know that you are going to get an absolute barnstormer of a match um you know when you put these two together um my my one criticism though was what took regal so long like if regal was on site what took him so long to get there um that was just my one criticism but um you know i was worried about the commentators i was trying to figure out where they all were because of obviously the perch being so close to it and i just think it shows that you know i wouldn't say that there's a genuine hate for each other but there's a genuine like of facing each other if that makes sense absolutely and that comes across um it's difficult because you see where Gargano's coming from but in last week's episode with that interview with Mauro Ronaldo, that really did indicate that we have a different Johnny Gargano now um if it wasn't already hammered home it it was different um the whole his his entire demeanor had changed and everything um so obviously it makes sense um I'm interested to see where it goes. I think it could be built into a loser leaves NXT match. And if that is the case, if it's not at Tampa, as in TakeOver Tampa, it might be after and given other comments that have been made in interviews... I don't think it's going to be Champa that leaves. I think it will be Gargano that leaves. And that possibly yeah. could mean Candice LeRae going as well. Because um, obviously, mm. you know, they're married and there's it's no secret, you know. Um, it's kind of just out there, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think that could be where it's going because having read Regal's reaction on Twitter to everything that's gone on I, I don't know if you've seen it but it's basically I'll be speaking with both individuals and we'll be settling it privately in WWE that ne- that never works um yeah. so yeah um I do worry though um that Champa was taking a bit of a ridiculous risk bless him um because he's been through the wars um but if he's happy to take those kind of bumps, then I suppose we've got to sort of let him get on with it. But yeah. Yeah, I had exactly the same concerns about that, about that bump. And uh, yeah, I, I thought, is it too much already three weeks out from TakeOver Tampa and taking a bump like that could have put them both out of action. And we all know that uh, Tommaso Ciampa got pulled from that big match that he was scheduled to have uh, 12 months ago take over New York and it didn't happen because of his neck and not only has he had neck surgery he made a quick recovery he was back within seven months but now he's taking ridiculous bumps again um and uh, possibly you know risking further injury or, or uh, reoccurrence of the neck injury 
Um, but uh, I'm guessing they, they did it as safe as they possibly could. And uh, I'm sure they're you know, very sore afterwards, but up a walking round uh, today. But um, yes, as I said, you know, when I was describing this, this segment, it, it kind of it does have me more invested. And uh, it's brought me back into their feud, which I was a little bit kind of I, I was interested in the feud two years ago when I was in uh, New Orleans and I saw them wrestle for the first time at TakeOver New Orleans. Yeah. Uh, and then they were scheduled to have another match uh, tw- only 12 months ago. And mm-hmm. they had all these epic matches. Um, and, you know, the feud had kind of gone off the boil a little bit, but it was meant to be an even bigger and better match because the championship was on the line. Um, but but now it all cooled down because of Tommaso being out for so long. And now it's back on again and back on uh, with, with a vengeance. So, uh, yes, I just hope that they're, they're OK today. And uh, like I say, fingers crossed, they'll be fit and well for that big match. But just quickly touching on some of the matches that we know are going to go ahead in Tampa then, Lexi. I mean, by the looks of it, now not many of these matches have been formally announced, I don't think, but these I've got six matches down here that I think will happen. So just what your kind of thoughts on some of these. Um, it looks like we're going to get Adam Cole defending this championship against Velveteen Dream. I think all indications are that that match is going to go ahead. Um, and then Keith Lee, I think the way they set up this week's NXT is possibly looking likely that he's going to defend his championship in a multi-man match. I've got down here that he could be defended against Damian Priest and Dominic Djokovic, you threw in Cameron Grimes, so I'm more than happy for it to be a three-way or a four-way match. Uh, then you've got the, the Bros Awaits defending their championship against Undisputed Era and uh, GYV in a three-way tag match there, so that'll be pretty epic. We obviously know we've got the, the women's number one contenders ladder match. We've got Chelsea Green, uh, Mia Yim and Tegan Knox as the first three entries in that. Johnny Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa I think will take place in Tampa. Now I'm going to throw in another match that there's been a lot of speculation as to whether this is going to take place in Tampa or possibly Dublin, but I've got Walter versus Finn Balor to take place in Dublin. Um, what was your thoughts on kind of that lineup, that that card? Um, I mean, and just kind of taking it one step further, I think Walter is going to be defended against Ilya Dragunov in Dublin, which is why I think it's going to be Balor in Tampa. But uh, those six matches, um, is that a good takeover for you? Um, yeah, it would be. It would be nice to have um, the Walter um, Finn Balor match in Dublin just because of the reaction of the Dublin crowd. Yeah. And obviously Finn Balor, it's as close to his hometown as you can get. Um, I'm sure someone from, you know, Bray County Island will, you know, Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I am those six matches already. I am already more invested in than the majority of the WrestleMania card. So for me, it's automatically a winner. Um, and I think that's the problem that I have is that I'm not invested in the main roster anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean. I do have my concerns a little bit about Adam Cole versus the Velveteen Dream. Is it too soon for the Velveteen Dream? You know, I mean, I think he's only 24, 25. Yeah. You know, is it too soon for him? Could it not go to somebody else? I don't know. But it would be interesting to see what happens then with the Undisputed Era. 
um because we know what's going to happen after wrestlemania if wrestlemania goes ahead you've got the draft coming up so then it's a case of well who's going to get the call up who's going to get called up um, who's going it's to got get... to be their time. It's long overdue, isn't it, for Adam Cole and the rest of UE to be uh, on on one of the other two brands. Uh, the sideways move to Raw SmackDown. I think it's long overdue, and I think it, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen uh, after after Mania. And I think that that d- does indicate there could be a title change in that main event. Yeah, um, you know, and if if certainly because obviously people like ourselves sit here and fantasy book. Yeah. They might do it where Adam Cole retains and then loses it on a live episode of uh, NXT to prove that it's still worth watching the NXT shows just because, as JR used to say, anything can happen uh, yeah. in the World Wrestling Federation, which straight away, if you've played the game, you know what game I'm on about. Um, Smackdown 2, I think it is. Um, and it's it starts off and uh, JR says, ladies and gentlemen, this is proof anything can happen in the World Wrestling Federation, which is pretty much the soundtrack to my teenagers. But there you go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the only sort of concern that I have. It will be interesting to see where the uh, women's title match goes. Will they keep the title on Rhea? Will they keep you know, will they have Charlotte go to NXT? I don't know, especially given her relationship with uh, CN Almas. Um, Could that lead to him and Selena Vega being split and then Selena Vega aligning with her real-life husband, Alistair Black? Yeah don't know is it quote too soon for cn to go back to nxt um i say it like it's a negative thing but you know he's not been on the main roster long he's currently the um u.s champ i don't know is the honest answer there's so much that i can be like oh well this could happen or that could happen so it's an interesting time all round it is. And I think one thing is for certain. I mean, I said, you know, will the six matches deliver? I don't know about you, but I've never seen a bad NXT takeover. So no doubt, you know, it's going to deliver. So I think yeah. that's going to be the show of the week, the show of the weekend, certainly from a WWE standpoint that we're all going to be talking about on Monday morning. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I really can't wait. Uh, like I say, just fingers crossed going back to the top of the show. I just really want it to go ahead. I want everything to, to go as planned. Um, but uh, we shall see. We shall see. But uh, Lexi, that brings us to the end of this episode of Wrestling with Jonas. I want to thank you so much for uh, being a fantastic guest host and for talking everything AEW, NXT and coronavirus and uh, WrestleMania. Uh, so uh, thank you very much for being a, a fantastic guest on this week's show. And I, I hope you've enjoyed the experience. I've loved it. Thank you so much again for the opportunity. Um, I can't tell you how nervous and excited I was and you were you really were right like you know it's it's flown by I can't believe it I've just looked down at the time and I was like oh my god is that the time yeah um so yeah you know thank you so much um and thank you to everyone that listens
and no. reads the, the the article. So there we go. Uh, so you can continue following uh, Lexi and her articles on wrestlingwithjohnners.com and I'm sure there's going to be many more uh, come out of that uh, that book of hers uh, in the future so we can't wait to see uh, what she kind of uh, gives us next but um, no doubt we'll be seeing and reading uh, a lot more from Lexi in, in the future so thank you very much so uh, uh, please keep it tuned to the Wrestling With Jonas podcast for all of your weekly NXT and AEW updates regular WWE and AEW pay-per-view reviews, exclusive interviews Interviews like my interviews with Big F in Joe and Chantel Jordan, and more recently, uh, Will Austin from uh, CCW in Florida, and so much more. And if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please don't forget to spread the word, tell your friends, and tell your family. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you can be notified uh, every time a new episode drops so you don't miss out on a single episode. Uh, thanks again to Lexi for being a fantastic guest uh, on the Wrestling Jonas podcast. Thank you to everyone that's listened, and we'll catch up with you all again soon.